This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Monday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 84. We'll call this the Darvel Round. What do you think, Graham? The Darvel Round. We'll call it the Darvel Round. We, myself and Graham, Gary is currently off-site in a top-secret location that he will not tell us about. Not sure if that just means that he's in Darvel, but isn't willing to give away his location to his wife. Merely speculation on my part, though. Yes, we are... So Graham and I, we thought we'd take you on a little bit of an emotional journey, a roller coaster, a story, if you will. And of course, every good story has a beginning, a middle and an end. So it is currently 7.35, 10 minutes away from kickoff at Recreation Park in East Ayrshire. Roughly about half past six, the Dons social admins bestowed upon us the 11 names that will carry on the fate of Aberdeen's Scottish Cup journey, and I will now read them in no particular order. Anthony Stewart, Duke, Scales, Ramadani, McCrory, Joey, Jojo, Junior, Shabaloo. I've already lost my place. Clarkson, Coulson, Duncan, Kennedy, and the debut. Well, the first start for one Paddy Mislovich. Most notably on the bench... Craig Sampson. So that, that was a surprise. Ma- so that match day shirt from, was it Fur Park? Yes, I think it was. That is no longer as rare a commodity as it once was. And also, perhaps more notably, Boyan Miofsky, Graham Shinney, they dropped to the bench, along with Johnny Hayes from Tynecastle. And one, Cal Roberts returns to the Aberdeen fold. So good to see that he has made good progress in his injury recovery. Graham, your initial thoughts on that team. I was, I'm surprised to see Shinny and Miofsky out. I realise probably you should be able to rest players, but I'd have personally just gone all out in the first half, hopefully you blow them away. And then you start thinking about taking players off and resting. Having said that, I mean, there should be enough about that team to comfortably get through this. Uh, Stuart's fresh for obvious reasons. Mislovich, um, looking forward to seeing what he can do. The rest of it, that's probably what you'd expect, really, isn't it? Yeah, you are not the only person expressing concern that we're perhaps taking this lightly or maybe not being as uh, upfront as we could be with our strongest lineup, particularly the absence of Shinny and Miofsky. A lot of people saying that Goodwin, as you said there, maybe just get the job done with the strongest 11 and then go about resting players. But there's got to be enough within that first 11 to go about taking a team that, with the greatest respect, 
insert disrespectful comment here, a West of Scotland Football League team apart. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. It shouldn't matter who you put out, you should be getting through it. It does just mean the pressure ratchets up if it's half time and it's not going brilliantly and he's not perceived to feel that his best team. But let's hope we're not discussing that at half time. We're discussing all the goals and we can't squeeze them into a 10 minute post first half show. At least there's options on the bench. What I would say is though, Vinny Bajowin and Jaden Richardson cannot get a start. That's yeah. not a good look for either of them. Uh, agreed, and it's not a good look for all the money we spunked on them either. Agreed, but that is, well, we went into that in plenty of detail in this week's episode, so let's just move That's on. That's a tangent, that. and we only go down then when Gary's here. Absolutely. We'll just go quickly to the Twitter sphere. I'm just going to find this now. This is a rough and ready production. But as always, we on match day, we put out our post asking the ABZ football podcast solar system for your hopes fears and predictions i'm just going to go through a little sample of them now uh hugh little i will be watching slash listening from behind the sofa with whiskey sounds like a good call to me graham giles hopes over four and a half goals fears none i'm near shite bag prediction a five no win for the traveling side justin lee anderson anything other than a convincing win will be bad genuinely don't see us losing but even conceding a goal or two and scraping a win would be embarrassing Needs to be a thumping. Of course, this could be this could come back to bite me. Cam McWilliam, whatever happens, I pray Steve, you know, Tosh isn't commentating. You know. And lastly, let's just go for one more. Duncan Rothney. I can't remember. I can't find your tweet right now. There you are. Hopes, comfortable win by a good few goals. Fears, another Stenhouse fucking mirror. Predictions, a nervy 2-0 win with the second goal coming in injury time. Graham, you predicted 3-0. On our show. Do you want to yep. revise that? No, I'm sticking with three. Fair enough. I'm going to say, I said 2-1. I'm actually going to change that now to 3-1. I think uh, Paddy is going to come up with a come up with the goods tonight and we'll see what exactly we've been tracking all this time. I did think we should be good to the guys, PG and Dak, who contributed to our last show. Gary did speak to them for our debacle at Tynecastle, shall we say. I thought it was only fair to let them revise their prediction and they have shifted both from 3-0 Aberdeen to 2-1 to Aberdeen. So confidence is growing in the in the Darvel ranks. But let's hope with the first 45 minutes we can put all those hopes to bed. Definitely. In the way that typically only Aberdeen can. Graham, I'll see you at halftime. Yep, fingers crossed. Graham, it's halftime. Darvel are 1-0 up. I don't really know what else to say about that. Uh, yeah, that has just been fucking woeful. I'd love to be sitting here saying, don't worry, we've been all over them. Their keeper's having the game of his life and they've had a lucky break and they've scored, but that would be that would be a lie. We've just been pish. I don't think anyone would argue or try to argue against the point that Darville are not worth their lead. No, no, definitely the... Uh, they are the better team and alarmingly by a decent margin. They appear far more adept at playing it from the back from us. They have a strategic pressing game that is causing us problems at the back. Um, what was your favorite passage of play in the game? My personal one was um, scales to Lewis, Lewis to scales, scales to Lewis, Lewis to scales, scales, long ball out for a goal kick. 
there's been so much of that sort of just like playing out from the back isn't just what you've described. Playing out from the back is a good pass in the midfield or invite the opposition on to, you know, sort of create the space so that you can then play in between them. It's not just aimlessly rolling it around the, the back and then shelling it long. It's been so bad. We've been so far off the pace all over the pitch. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know where you... It was going to be some 45 minutes and or team talk from your man Goodwin. I am I'm watching uh, the BBC highlights as we as we do this uh, with the sound down, mercifully. And they're replaying the goal, which comes about from the Darville number 19 going past Ilwa Ramadani as if he's not there twice. Puts the ball in. Hayden Coulson heads it away. The right-sided player gets the ball back into the into the danger area. Leighton Clarkson is extremely passive in trying to press him. And then Hayden Coulson appears shocked that there would actually be a Darville attacker in the box who has all the time to take a touch, turn, and get a shot away, which I think takes a deflection, but I think you would still say that Joe Lewis should do better. Uh, and since then, they've been creating more chances. They've had some long-range efforts, but they've definitely been getting in some dangerous areas. And I'm sat here right now concerned that we might get a goal, but I don't trust us to not concede again. Yeah, I mean, the goal we conceded, we've conceded plenty of them over the course of the season. So I don't know if anyone from the club listens, but can we do our practice games with like attackers, you know, so we don't just head the ball clear in the box and assume that that's that. I don't understand why it's always this look of utter bemusement that an opponent is there. I mean, Coulson, fucking hell. And it's not the first time he's done that, but the guy's like, he's a good footballer. He's obviously got no idea what he's supposed to be doing in that role because time and time again, he gets caught out. And even earlier in that, uh, after the goal, you know, he's, he's trying to be clever in the touchline, gets like a push in the back and he's like, oh, well, I'll just stop. That's not how it works. Especially not in, I know this is the absolute cliche, but especially not on a day like today where they will be pushing you and kicking you, trying to noise you up, trying to prove that they're as good as you. If you can't match them for that, then you're fucked. It's it's exhibit A that Hayden Coulson is clearly that player who was a winger when he was young, got to being a senior pro, is clearly not good enough to be a winger. So someone decided let's turn him into a modern fullback and hopefully at some point he can learn how to defend. Um, the most damning thing of all, perhaps, the Darvel goalkeeper has not had a save to make in 45 minutes. Yeah, which is an absolutely tragic state of affairs. Uh, to be honest, he should be he should be getting some treatment, you know, RSI from picking the ball out of the back of the net or busted wrists from saving so many shots. I don't know, but he could have just not bothered coming out. Yeah, I've put it to the uh, our Twitter sphere. If you were Jim Goodwin, what are you doing at halftime to change things around? And by the way, the option of searching for the comfiest, most spaciest car boot for you to exit the stadium in is not an option. There's a lot of um, experience, a lot of strength on the bench. What are you doing? Well, I actually like the person that replied with the gif of, what was it, restart level? <laughs> <laughs> it was like reset game or restart level or something was the, the one I preferred. Look, we said prior to this that if it was us, we would have put our strongest team out at the start. You hope you get the job done in, in the first half and then you might want to make some changes. So we've been so 
I mean, we're almost getting bullied in that midfield. So you've got to have Shinny on. This shell in the bottle of Duke is just utter shite. That's not his game. So if you want to shell someone, I think you've got to have Miofsky on, even from the point of view of just getting some support and some extra numbers up there. So I feel like you've got to have those two. I'm trying to think who else is on the bench. I mean, Samson might be quite funny, but I don't really see why you would play him. Um, Someone's just suggested that maybe Jim Goodwin himself could come out centre back. It's hurting me enough to see him getting as far as the touchline. I don't even want, could you even comprehend that? Fuck me. (laughs) See, if you you couldn't laugh, you'd cry. We'll have a little look through the uh, the replies. Andy McPherson, Shinny, Miofsky on right away, then Bajowin. Told you all we were disrespecting them with the starting lineup. Uh, Kennedy off, Miofsky on. Can't say. Jim Goodwin can say what he wants. Players clearly aren't interested in. Shinny, Miofsky on, new boy and Ramadani off. I've got to say now, with the benefit of hindsight, is this really the smartest game to put Mislovic in from the start? Probably not. Um... Yeah, probably not. I've got to be honest with you, it's, uh, it's not going particularly well for him. He's by no means the only one in that camp, but I've not really seen anything that I've liked so far, if I'm honest. He's not the, the biggest offender for me by by any margin, but he's not really getting involved and you know we are losing the midfield battle there and you just got a question, you know, this is a guy, this is very new to the country, He's probably never played in an environment quite like this uh, with the expectation. It just seems like, yeah, you could put him, use him in a more diplomatic manner. Perhaps, you know, if we're 3-0 up at the hour mark. <laughs> what, a, what a novel idea that is. Uh, maybe that could like acclimatise him to Scottish football. But nevertheless, we'll see if he comes out for the second half. I mean, he's got to make changes, doesn't he? He absolutely has to make changes. Like I said, it's not like we've just been... You know, one of those days where we've been all over them and we've conceded a chance and they've taken it. I'd almost go as far as to say we're not in the game. So he has to make changes. And I would go as far as to say he's got 45 minutes to give himself another couple of weeks' stay of execution. Our um, our inspired leader is at the ground. Dave Cormack is there. Yeah, Cormack, uh, not Gary. Jim... <laughs> Neil Crofts, Jim's currently rubbing his lucky rabbit's foot, hoping the Darville chairman tells Dave that we are the best team they've faced this season over a halftime pie. <laughs> Love that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of people suggesting that resigning would be a good thing to do at halftime. Um, one person, I can't quite find who it was, but someone's asking, is there a precedent for a manager getting sacked at halftime? I can think of numerous instances of managers being sacked effectively at full time. I think even one I can't remember the name, but I think one got sacked in the tunnel as soon as the game had finished. But uh, I can't say off the top of my head if there's been a precedent for a manager being sacked. Like you say, I mean, if this carries on, I think there's probably even an argument to me that going 1-0 down and putting this kind of performance in over 45 minutes is a sackable offence, as it is. Um, For me, I think I'd be getting Shinny on. I'd be getting Miofsky on. um, Probably Vinny Bajowin. Maybe for Mislovich, um, I would hook Ramadani and maybe a Kennedy, perhaps. But to be fair, you could pick take your pick from any of the 11. Yep. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. All right, Graham. So I think it's about to kick off again. I think we've got the Darvel owner, I'm assuming, on the TV right now, who must just be pissing himself at how shite we are. We're going to pick this up in another 45 minutes or so. Who knows? Maybe there'll be extra time. Maybe we'll do another. Well, I was going to say it might be longer. Um, so let's let's keep our fingers crossed and uh, and our toes 
and our toes. And maybe, maybe that was all just a horrible, horrible nightmare. <laughs> this whole season's been a horrible nightmare. Well, here we are. This is not the finish that I expected. It's not even the finish that I even can yet believe, even though, I mean, Darvel scored, I think, around about 15 minutes, so I should have had enough time to process what was happening, but I honestly believe that we would get something from this game, and I know we score a goal um, that is ruled out for offside, which is never offside, but that is the easiest of excuses that I suspect that some people might try and come out with, but Graham, it's, uh, it's all over at Recreation Park. Darvel Football Club one, Aberdeen Football Club nil. Arguably the biggest shock in the history of Scottish football. Undoubtedly the biggest embarrassment, the worst result in the 120 years of our club's history itself. Yeah. Uh, that is just an absolute fucking shambles. I don't even know. I don't even know where you begin with that. So halftime, um, beginning of the second half, we bring Miofsky and Vinny Bajowin on for your favourite, Matty Kennedy and Harry Mislovich. And Johnny Hayes came on relatively shortly after that. We start to get a little bit of joy down the left flank uh, with some balls in between the channels. And, you know, Duke has a couple of efforts that are very well saved by the Darville goalkeeper, but it was anything but uh, offensive onslaught in the way that I'd expect if we were, say, 1-0 up against a Rangers, a Celtic, or, you know, a team in Europe that we'd be you'd be looking at as being the, as a far better team on paper. And then by the very end, we just talked about it there, the final four minutes of stoppage time, I don't think I've ever seen a team keep the ball in the corner as comfortably as Darville did. No. I mean, it's incredible. They they keep the ball there for a couple of minutes, uh, you know, which obviously is what you would do. So this isn't a criticising about, and you've got to play football the right way and on that pitch. They did it. Then the ball does break. I think Scales sort of hooks the clearance in the box to Tony Stewart all the time in the world. But obviously he picks it at Darville, man. He was fucking woeful tonight. Not, I, I mean, to be honest, his passing is atrocious. I don't think he played a ball to a teammate, so... It's difficult to single him out. You know, he's by no means the root cause, but fucking hell, that guy's garbage. He is very poor. And you know what? Uh, the bloke to his left, oh, starting to think that he might not be the uh, outstanding, quote-unquote, an exciting left-sided centre-back that we all thought he was. To be honest, there's like serious deja vu from last season. The more I look through that, like I was really excited about the start of the season. I think... Even at the sort of pre-World Cup, there was definitely a lot to like about them. But, I mean, the last few games and stuff like that, you just think, fucking hell. It's, you know, are they good enough? But I didn't see anyone that looked bothered. You know, you're getting basically bullied by... A junior team. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what Darvel are. They're obviously a team that have got a lot of ambition. They've got some very good facilities. You can see that. And I think they mentioned they've got a project to get themselves into the into the football league. But at the end of the day, they are a sixth-tier team made up of junior players. Yeah, and for them to basically bully you is inexcusable. And then when we get on to the joker in charge, one team looked like they had a, a plan, some tactics, and knew what they were doing. 
Unfortunately, it wasn't us. Kind of just, I've got the TV on in front of me. I'm just keeping an eye out for uh, if Jim Goodwin emerges. I've got a funny feeling you might send like Lee Sharp out tonight. Maybe we'll just hear that. It's just one of those nights, I guess. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's only three points. Only it's, all, it's only the it's only your only chance of uh, chance of winning anything in the season. It's only the end of the season. Yes, you're quite rightly. Let's be honest, Graham. That's it. The season's done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is nothing other than mid-table mediocrity. To be honest, um, I think I feel like we're. If back I'm being in, optimistic, I feel we could be edging our way back to the kind of Jimmy Caldwell era, where top six is something to be celebrated at the end of the season. Yeah, and to be honest, we are now in danger of just regressing to the sort of pre-McInnes years where we were just a bit of a joke, really. Off the back of that, off the back of Tynecastle, um, you know, it's turning out that the Rangers performance Hampden was an exception that proves the rule regarding our uh, our quality. They've just shown the offside, which is never offside, but nevertheless, that we did not, that's we did not deserve... We um, yeah, we did not deserve anything from this game. Um, I wouldn't have anyone trying to make it that there's some kind of SFA conspiracy to keep us out of the Scottish Cup here. Um, but yeah, sorry, where was I? Um, yeah, the the form that's been the constant through our fixtures results since the World Cup, it's not making for pretty reading. We now go to Easter Road next. We have been terrible away from home for two seasons now, uh, but we are shipping goals by the boatload. Are we in genuine danger. I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, but are we in danger of being dragged into something that we didn't expect around about September time? No, I think we'll beat Hibs with the caretaker manager bounce. I think that'll get us the three points. And then after that, then we might be in danger. I mean, I know stones and glass houses and all that, but I cannot believe Lee Johnson has survived the hammering they took off hearts at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, to be honest... Aberdeen and Hibs it's just a competition down to each other for dickishness hilarity, I fully, isn't it? fully expected them to be the team that will have the uh, the new manager bounce but they seem to be uh, sticking with uh, Lee Johnson well, and his... probably because they knew it was Aberdeen up next <laughs> an opportunity to turn it around yeah so Johnson can go out with a win mm. under his belt absolutely him and his selection of cream tan jackets um I, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, uh, there's no way that Jim Goodwin and his coaching staff can survive this, is there? I can't possibly see. I think when we spoke, whatever it was, Friday, we are talking about Woody Goes, and I didn't think they would bin him like in the coming weeks, but on the caveat that we would get through on Monday, I thought they would rumble on and they'll just procrastinate and demonstrate their incompetence. Um and by that, I mean Cormac Gunn, all the people, you know, that sort of hire and fire. The fact that we've lost, I just don't see how you can come. Because it's not, I mean, this is a, we're not knee-jerking as in we're riding high in the league. You know, we've been playing great football. It's just one of those nights. Even then, you could make a strong case to say, well, so what? It's still a sackable offence. But this is just the continuation of an absolutely woeful run of, form and results and I don't see how I don't see how anyone can build a case other than you can't afford to pay him off I don't see how anyone can build a case for him to stay in seat however you then get back to the problem of that's Cormac and his cronies two for two 
in terms of fucked up appointments now. Yep. Is he going to go for the hat trick? Well, I mean, I was going to say three for three in terms of seasons that have been thrown away. True, true. Another, Irish, you know, a week left. Another manager arguably hung out, well, I was going to say hung out to dry in January. Good ones was probably heading that way uh, prior to this. But, I mean, the whole thing is just a mess. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't I don't understand how the management team survived that at all. Goodwin, in my opinion, was a lazy appointment. I don't understand how he ever got the Aberdeen job. He's done nothing to suggest he's a good manager or certainly capable of getting us going. But the players are obviously a big part of that. And tonight yep. was pretty embarrassing. It's been a few embarrassing uh, games over the course of this season. But then looking higher up the food chain, there are, there are issues there. So, yeah, I think Goodwin will be the scapegoat because that's always happened. You can't afford to pay off 11 first-team players. So he probably will go. He should go. But it just leaves us with an incompetent group running our club. It's a sentiment being echoed in the Twitter sphere. Uh, Chris Lives, Chris Lives, sorry. Um, the man really responsible for this cannot resign, unfortunately. Um, we talked about it in the episode that, you know, sacking Jim Goodwin, which is, I think, warranted. I think it wouldn't even shock me if Jim Goodwin actually resigns off the back of that result. Um, of course, though, he'll. I'm sure he'll want the payoff, so maybe he won't. Either way, uh, as he he's should gone. Do. He's as he should do. As, yep, he, um, we gave him a contract and he's entitled to whatever we are due him, as is his coaching staff. But, you know, we're in... The club itself is just... It's hard to find the right words to describe the, the level of chaos and negligence. That's the that's probably the best word. Describe how we've come from where we were Um a relatively stable club. Um, people, you know, didn't like maybe some of the football we played under Dennis McInnes, but, you know, we were stable. We were competitive. We generally speaking got to the later rounds of cup uh, competitions. And now here we are. Like you say, it's two seasons in a row. We've been knocked out of the Scottish Cup effectively at the first time, the first round of asking, and the season's gone. And where do we go from here? I don't, I think... It's difficult to describe, you know, the way I guess the clubs are set up in this country in Aberdeen. If it, if things are going well, everyone's happy with the board and the chairman. When they're not, you're kind of powerless. You know, as a fan, you have no representation anywhere. And I know there'll be the usual pish from, well, Cormac might break out the, you know, break out his uh, his Twitter account tonight. There were the usual pish about how everyone's hurt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But ultimately. Let anyone the fans who puts down, their hand, blah blah blah. Yeah, so with the same old shit, but ultimately, anyone who puts their hand in their pocket doesn't actually really have any recourse. I mean, you can not go, but I don't think that really bothers them. And the difficulty with football, and people know this, it's not like a, I don't know, it's not like you get annoyed with one. I don't know, you don't like Nike, but you just go and buy something else. You know, the mm-hmm. trainers are trainers. You're in or you're out with your football club, and it's really difficult to actually break that link where you don't you, know, you might not go for a wee while but to actually say right, I'm not buying any tickets I'm not buying a season ticket next season I'm not buying any stuff from the shop it's kind of difficult to break that and people know that so it's not really like a it's not a partnership as such as it. it's one-sided in a mm-hmm. situation like this all the power rests with idiots at the top uh, and by that I mean like Cormac's not going to give a fuck 
what people are saying or thinking he'll do what he thinks he needs to do but ultimately we're stuck with him there is no way to you know you don't you, you can vote with your feet but yeah. he's not gonna be like all right okay people aren't going i'll go he's he's not gonna do that so you are stuck with the uh the poor decision making that's got us into this situation in the first place you say it's people are you know there, there's such loyalty to your football club that you know it's hard to make people you know turn away in such a drastic fashion but i feel like we're edging very close to a time of being of mass disenfranchisement with the club and specifically the ownership because you know chances are by tomorrow morning jim goodwin will have been emptied out of Pataudry. um but where do you take anything that resembles faith or belief that the people who, you know, the custodians of our club who have the duty to then go about hiring the next manager, what, and then they go about the recruitment strategy, the next season, you know, does that include 10 wingers? Maybe not. Part of the philosophy it should do, but we've learned already in the last two years that we can just flop and change the philosophy whenever we want. Are we in like real danger of, you know, like, just the, the supporters who have been who are so hardcore. I mean, there's I don't know, was there 700, 900 people at Darvel last tonight? I'm not sure the exact numbers, but a big support for what I believe is like a 10-hour round trip on a Monday night to deepest, darkest Ayrshire. Is there a very real risk that the fans are just gonna, as you say, vote with their feet? And at that point, you know, the club, unless Cormac puts in enormous amounts of cash, how does the club even become sustainable? I think all those are valid points, uh, you know, to the to the people that are there tonight and the ones that are pretty much always going to be there. You know, always there's always an impressive away travelling support for Aberdeen, almost irrelevant of who they're playing, where they're playing, and when they're playing. You know, there's that sort of hardcore that will always go. Home attendances will bounce up and down depending on results, and I imagine. Probably going to see the impact of that over the next few home games. So I think it's, yeah, a time when you know, everything's gone in the last couple of years with COVID and stuff like that and not getting the income that they wanted and then investing in the squad and now rancid results. It's difficult to, it's difficult to kind of see a way out of this that means we're competitive and we're not totally fucked financially. Yeah, because I mean, you even look at it, you know, for the first time in the entire time I've actually supported Aberdeen, we've in the last few years started making money out of players, like real cash. But of course, that went into, you know, uh, making up the shortfalls from COVID or making up the shortfalls from, you know, for lack of a better term, piss poor performance on the pitch. And we've lost, missed out on opportunities to, you know, grab those big bags of cash that Hearts have now taken and, then you just, you look, you can see that the old firm are pulling further and further away from us. Tonight was a, a real opportunity to, the Scottish Cup and the League Cup is realistically our only chance of doing anything. And it's gone. And why kind of struggle with, I mean, I'm assuming Graham Shinney must not have been fit. There's no reason why he wouldn't have been brought on. Yeah. Probably at 45 was... minutes, actually. If there was one thing we needed was fight and intensity and someone that actually understands what this means i was wondering that myself i never you know if you're not fit then why are you on the bench because the whole point of being on the bench is that you could be utilized even if it's for a period so i get that i one of two things was running through my head other than injury 
either he's not a recruitment struck Goodwin signing, so Goodwin's making a point, which is stupid because the team comes first, not your not your ego and your squabbles. Or he's just a clown. It might be the latter. A lot of people are suggesting on Twitter, and I mean, I can see why. Um, I don't think this is exclusively the reason why this might be the case, but it looks like the players are not playing for the manager. Now, I recall a moment in the second half, roughly around 65 minutes, the ball goes out for a throw-in. Tony Stewart is standing (laughs) with the ball for, I think, roughly 30 seconds. With his hands, you know, out by his sides, looking exasperated as if someone's asked him to, like, you know, play a side foot pass. And then he just, I think he just dumps it on the ground. McCrory comes over. Yep. Ross McCrory then <clears throat> takes about half, about 30 seconds as well. Roughly about a minute has passed in this time. No intensity, no desire on show to get themselves yep. out of the hole that they dug themselves. Yeah, I, I don't... I never really understand, obviously I've never played football at any meaningful level, so I can't really, I don't know what it's like, but I don't really get this not playing for the manager because surely, you know, professional pride has to come in, come into it. You know, you're still, if you're not playing for the manager, you don't like him, fine, but you chuck your teammates under the bus if you don't give 100%. And even just, uh, you know, most of these guys are not Aberdeen fans so they're probably like it's a different mentality everyone thinks if you're a fan or not and I don't think that's not that they don't care but why would you even want to be associated with a result like this I mean you're always that's on all of them forever yeah and it's going to take a long long time you'd I mean you'd hope that results never I was gonna say bettered we don't do anything worse than that I don't know how you can so that's on them forever surely that like I, there's loads of things that you'd be like if you don't like the manager fine there must be loads of other motivating factors that means you don't put in a performance like that. And I just don't, I just don't understand it. I get annoyed when we play fives and Gary doesn't track back for my team. And I am not carrying the hopes and dreams of thousands of people on my shoulder when we play our game of fives on Thursday. It's mind boggling just how passive some of our players treated the situation tonight. And then, like you say, the, the cherry on the icing on the cake is Tony Stewart on the 94th minute when we finally get the ball, finds the one and only Darvel player in his yeah. sight yeah. with a laser, laser-pointed pass. Uh, the best pass Tony Stewart's maybe played in the time he's been here. Yeah, if it being guy being a white shirt, it was brilliant. Right defeat, nice pace on it. Uh, I mean, I'm... I'm saying, oh, I was picking him on him because I think last, well, probably... This is not the first time, let's just say that. No, no. I mean, I think I was one of those ones at the start. It was sort of like, well, we just, you know, I don't mind him doing the actual defending bit, but if we're going to try and play out, he doesn't fit that mould. So we need to, you need to bin him and get someone who can play if that's the way you want to do it or just accept it. We can't play out with him as part of the defence because he just can't, he just can't do it. And we're now in this sort of hybrid situation where we're intent on playing out through the guy that can't pass. But even then, like, I, I struggle with this because I, I fundamentally believe that you cannot be a team that wants to play it from the back with someone who cannot play with the ball. Yes. But then the defensive side is just equally bad in my view. How many times tonight did he, or Scales for that matter, try and engage, you know, an opponent 
and they just get their arms all over them and they give away a cheap needless fill. Yeah. I, I no, I I know what you mean. You'd you'd think, right, he's not very good at playing football. We can't do the playing out, but he'll be good defensively. Yeah. And everyone just seems to have regressed from the start of the season in that where they maybe were capable of doing one thing, they now can't even do that. I, I don't know what's happened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where we go from here, to be perfectly honest, not just in terms of the, the manager, but collectively, you've now got a bunch of players that probably most of the fan base right now actively hates. <laughs> um Tell you what, though, the lads that took that result as Dennis Muir, they are fucking loving tonight. The heat is off. Yeah. Are you looking forward to about 20 years' time when we're talking to, I don't know, Ilba Ramadani about tonight? I was he was He was fucking terrible tonight, by the way. He wasn't the only one. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't a great look at the, the goal. gets beaten far too easily. Um, and then, obviously, Coulson's not exactly great. I mean, I don't... I mean, there's nobody in that team that I could look at and say I thought they had a decent game where they'd put in a shift like see no. Duncan getting a bit of credit no. but he needs to realise that you can't just be shooting all the time and then they, give it up. <laughs> they go into good positions and then it's just shot after shot and they're either shit or blocked and you've got a teammate on you need to be doing more than that there's nobody that I would be looking at right now and say okay you can get onto the team bus without having to go via the fans for some abuse <laughs> yeah, Duncan was harnessing the uh, energy of the younger Cowan twin tonight. That's another inside joke from our uh, fives. Sorry about that. Um, I, I don't really know what else there is to say about this. Um, I think all we'll do is maybe just wrap this up. And I don't know about you, Graham, but I want to wish uh, my congratulations to Darvel. I think that's an richly deserved result. Uh, wish them the best going forward in their home tie against Falkirk in the next round. I think they've got all the chance in the world of putting Falkirk to the sword and getting through to the to the next stage. Graham, I'm going to do it for you. Uh, topped on. That's not even something that you can humorously... I don't know. Craig Sampson from making it onto the team sheet or the reserve team sheet, if you like. There, it yeah. looks like I'm disinterested, but I'm refreshing my Twitter feed, but nothing has come up to say that like Cormac, Gunn and Goodwin have decided to resign or anything. Oh, Graham, you're pretending as if Stephen Gunn has any say in this. No, but he'll just get told. <laughs> You've resigned, Stephen. Stephen, oh, okay. Stephen, tell Jim I need to see him. Um, let's just go to the Twitter sphere once more just to see what people are saying about tonight. Um, Probably not nice things. Not nice things, not necessarily. I think uh, people calling once again for a top to bottom, root to branch uh, revamp of the personnel in the entire structure. Uh, Mark Robertson, the whole coaching staff is a joke, zero communication between any staff, Goodwin, barely talking to his players, agree more needs to be done, but that was a sign of broken management team. I was just going to say, I mean, this for me was one of the the reasons why I was heavily um, against the Stephen Glass era by pretty early doors is that to me, the team and it's come back to what you just mentioned earlier about Stuart and others it's the regression it's the longer this management team is in place the worse our team seems to get that's how it that's how it feels yeah just thinking back to the start where we were quite excited about some of the signings and some of them absolutely were performing at a higher level than they are now so I'm still of the opinion that there's enough about that squad 
to be competitive in the league, you know, not not first or second. That's oh, where, no one's where, ever going to crack that. Where, have, where have I heard this before? Yeah, no, I agreed. And that's why, so honestly, from now on, we just take Sundays off, rebadge last season's episodes. Um, I don't know, just dub over Glass for Goodwin or whoever's in charge and just put them out. Piece of cake. Um, Ian at Tailzo. 1988, they controlled most of the game as well. Heads must roll. I'm assuming he's talking about Darville there. Uh, got exactly what our team, coaches, manager, DOF and chairman deserve from that match. Um, as long as you've got dodgy Dave Corma picking the manager, you're screwed. So some people are not holding back with their uh, theory of what's happened. And understandably so. Mutton Man, 1983, most embarrassing result in any top flight team's history. Some people again will point to the fact that Hearts stuck with Robbie Nielsen after the defeat to Brora Rangers. But that's a absolute apples and oranges situation there, isn't it? Apples and oranges, and this may or may not be a popular opinion, Nielsen's a much better manager than Goodwin. I don't think that's massively unfair, although I'm sure Gary will be here to point out that Hearts are terrible. So terrible that they're third. Which is Absolutely. where we would like to be. So, Absolutely. Yeah, look, he's not a popular necessarily individual, and people don't necessarily like the way he goes about the football. So, I'm not advocating that. He's... I was just going to say, you've heard it here first. Robbie Nielsen for the Aberdeen job. It, it jokes, like if you want, if you want to be third, you pick the guy who's currently third. So, um, yeah, he and I think as Gary was the the structure of that club is much more I don't know mature and or developed than ours, so that. You know they—they they obviously did make the right call. I can't see any scenario where, even prior tonight, most people are of the opinion that Goodwin's not the right man. Full stop. Like I say, we're not. This isn't a total knee jerk after the worst result ever. This is just a culmination of a pretty poor season all round. To be perfectly honest. With that being said, Ali Cinnamon, be honest. How many of us are genuinely, truly shocked at losing that one? Ali's right, and that is the most damning indictment of all. Yeah, that, and that's where, you know, I think we spoke about, again, repeating ourselves, like apathy sets in, you know, everyone's just like, fuck it, what's the point? Why would you be, you know, things like, I mean, obviously this is an extreme example, but stuff like getting scudded away from home in the league, everyone's like, eh, well, why would you not expect that? And that's a really dangerous place for a fan base to be. I was going to say the one positive um, for Cormac, should he come out from under his rock, is that we did have more possession and more shots. We were joint shots on target. We had more corners. Okay. We had fewer fouls. So in the in the old data battle, um, it didn't go well for Darville. Hit me up with the possession stats. According to the BBC, we had 56%, which leaves Darville with 44. We had 12 shots to their eight. Both sides had three shots on target. We had eight corners to their three and 10 fouls to their 11. So overall, on points. So we dominated. That's, that's what you're telling us. Yes. We're better than Darwin. Unlucky. Just, just another day, another night at the office. One of them nights, one of them days. Yeah, I think we'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Um, we'll see you later in the week to preview hips i guess <laughs> fuck that <laughs> yeah um, I, I, I might need some time off from this relationship 
folks maybe just keep your Aberdeen FC Twitter notifications on uh, on alert and we'll see if there's any movement uh, in the next couple of days. We thank you very much for joining us to those hearty souls that made the trip to Darvel. Godspeed. Um, get home safe. And to those that were involved in that performance tonight, I have no words. We'll see you next time. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!